0: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold and you are listening to Payne.tv slash gold. Let's move on to the next section here in industrial society and its future. This section is titled Two Kinds of Technology, paragraph 207. An argument likely to be raised against our proposed revolution is that it is bound to fail because it is claimed throughout history technology has always progressed, never regressed, hence technological regression is impossible. But this claim is false. And I'm very interested in how the author says so. Again, I haven't read this for probably about three years, and I actually do not remember this part. And this is going to be great, because I rarely see technology regressing. But let's see what the author has to say. Paragraph 208. We distinguish between two kinds of technology, which we call small-scale technology and organization dependent technology small-scale technology is technology that can be used by small-scale communities without outside assistance organization dependent technology is technology that depends on large-scale social organization we are aware of no significant cases of regression in small-scale technology but organization-dependent technology does regress when the social organization on which it depends breaks down. Example, when the Roman Empire fell apart after the Roman small-scale technology survived because any clever village craftsman could build, for instance, a water wheel, uh, any, uh, for instance, a water wheel, any, okay, hold on a second. I'm sorry, I've got this cord that just fell down in front of my eyes, ladies and gentlemen. It says, when the Roman Empire fell apart, the Roman small-scale technology survived because any clever village craftsman could build, for instance, a water wheel. Any skilled smith could make steel by Roman methods, and so forth. But the Romans' organization-dependent technology did regress. Their aqueducts fell into disrepair and were never rebuilt. Their techniques of road construction were lost. The Roman system of urban sanitation was forgotten, so that not until rather recent times did the sanitation of European cities equal that of ancient Rome. Very interesting. Very interesting outlook on this. And um, so what he would be saying, right? Unfortunately, we really don't have uh, communities anymore. But certain technologies, uh, baking bread and fire, like I'm working on now, some of that kind of stuff will last. uh, But obviously, you could crumble the large you know, Thompson, uh, Thompson English Muffin manufacturing plant, which we have one of those here, actually. It says, paragraph 209, the reason why technology has seemed always to progress is that until perhaps a century or two before the Industrial Revolution, most technology was small-scale technology. But most of the technology developed since the Industrial Revolution is organization-dependent technology. Take the refrigerator, for example. Without factory made parts or the facilities of a post industrial machine shop, it would be virtually impossible for a handful of local craftsmen to build a refrigerator. If by some miracle they did succeed in building one, it would be useless to them without a reliable source of electric power. So they would have to dam a stream and build a generator. Generators require large amounts of copper wire. Imagine trying to make that wire without modern machinery and where would they get a gas suitable for refrigeration? It would be much easier to build an ice house or preserve food by drying or pickling as one has done before the invention of the refrigerator. You know, see, that's why I was telling you a lot of what I'm, working on long term for the homestead is to be able to do all the pickling the canning i mean i'm working on a lot of that stuff but i want to do it in primitive ways so i really don't have to be connected uh to the system in any way whatsoever if if i so choose that's the direction i'm going to go we may have electricity but then be able to turn the electricity off you know, at the breaker and live uh, primitive if we want to. That's sort of what I'm working out long term. But see, that's what he's talking about here, which is fantastic, and it falls right into line with what I've told you before. The silver lining in all of this is that the tech uh, technocracy is a paper tiger in that it relies on electricity and the Internet. Without electricity and the Internet, their entire framework, their entire slave grid goes down. They cannot control The world without the Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies, uh, the metaverse they're building, all this stuff. It cannot exist without electricity and without Internet. The whole system collapses at that point. I'm not telling you to go out and do anything crazy. I'm just telling you that's the reality. Paragraph 210, it is clear. That if the industrial system were once thoroughly broken down, refrigeration technology would quickly be lost. The same is true of other organization-dependent technology. And once this technology had been lost for a generation or so, it would take centuries to rebuild it, just as it took centuries to build it the first time around surviving technical books would be few and scattered an industrial society if built from scratch without outside help can only be built in a series of stages you need tools to make tools to make tools to make tools a long process of economic development and progress in social organization is required. And even in the absence of an ideology opposed to technology, there is no reason to believe that anyone would be interested in rebuilding industrial society. The enthusiasm for progress is a phenomenon peculiar to the modern form of society, and it seems not to have existed prior to the 17th century um, or thereabouts that's interesting because i'm going to get into that i was actually in my notes and i'm just jotting it back down to talk about life pre-17th century and then all of a sudden we had this idea of progress and then technological progress we have to keep growing and growing and growing i've given you examples when it comes to cities like a nice you know, average size city like Nashville, Tennessee, when I lived there, they just wanted to grow and grow and grow. Then there was too many cars. Then they want to put trolley tracks in, electric, you know, trains driving around. And Before you know it, turn it into Manhattan and then tell you that it's polluted and all this stuff. I mean, just this constant growth, constant growth. Conservatives are part of this as well. I mean, look at the conservatives or the people that label themselves as conservatives in Congress or in the state houses or state governors. It's always progress. We need more business. We need to grow the tax base. How about you just get rid of taxes? How about you get rid of all the government services that we don't actually need? It was a legal man over at the podcast, The Quash. Somebody asked the question, uh, should we allow, I don't know what it was, should we allow uh, gay stuff LGBTQ stuff to be taught in schools or should it be banned legal man said public education should be banned the schools should be banned see he gets down to the root cause the truth the government has no right to have public schools paragraph 211 in the late middle ages they were four main civilizations that were about equally advanced europe the Islamic world, India, and the Far East. That would be China, Japan, and Korea. Three of those civilizations remain more or less stable And only Europe became dynamic. No one knows why Europe became dynamic at that time. Historians have their theories, but these are only speculation. At any rate, it is clear that rapid development toward a technological form of society occurs only under special conditions. So there is no reason to assume that a long-lasting technological regression cannot be brought about. All right? That's very important. So what the author is saying is that it can be done... And basically, the technological society we live under today is an anomaly. Paragraph 212. Would society eventually develop again toward an industrial technological form? Maybe. But there is no use in worrying about it since we can't predict or control events 500 or 1,000 years in the future. Those problems must be dealt with by the people who will live in that time. And this is what I keep saying to you, right? If, if let's say tomorrow, let's just say there was a solar flare and it blew out the electrical grid and therefore all the modern technology that you know of today is useless, it's gone and they can't get it back up and running and we go through a Mad Max period and eventually the trees are growing up through the buildings and nothing is being maintained and you return to sort of a primitive society. Let's just say that happened, okay? And then all of a sudden people wanted to organize to start rebuilding the society of, yes, year which at that time would be 50 or 100 years in the past it's like the same issue with us trying to return this society back to old society it's going to be very difficult to organize and people remember that the industrial system collapsed it brought a lot of pain and suffering and therefore who's really going to want to go back in time plus there is no more mass communication No more uh, reaching across the world to talk to each other. You're back to local, small communities. So would people get back to the homesteading type of life or they automatically want to go back to rebuilding the technological slave system that they lived under before that they look at as the cause of their problems? Of course, maybe people end up being happier because all of their smart TVs and devices were destroyed. And then they realize after about a week of withdrawal that they actually don't need those things any longer. All right, folks? I mean, you're going to need it because we're coming right back after this short break right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening pain dot tv slash gold let's pick up here with a new section called the danger of leftism Paragraph 213, because of their need for rebellion and for membership in a movement, leftists or persons of similar psychological type often are unattracted to a rebellious or activist movement whose goals and membership are not initially leftist. The resulting influx of leftish types can easily Turn a neo-leftist movement into a leftist one so that leftist goals replace or distort the original goals of the movement. Now, folks, if you come from the left or you're listening because someone asked you to and you identify as the left, do not take offense to this. The author criticized folks from the right as well. The author is very nuanced, he is post-political, he does not believe in labels, and he breaks everything down based on science and psychology. Alright, so don't take offense to this. And to be honest with you, I think in the modern era, we could get people from the left on board with some of these ideas, because we can use an Alinsky tactic, so Alinsky, Rules for Radicals, and use the enemy's own book of rules against them. So, if we believe that the technocracy, the technocrats, have created all of these movements, these controlled opposition movements, there's all kinds of real people at the street level that have adopted the narrative of the movements like the climate change people well if you can break through and show them that the real pollution right tell them listen you're from the left you like tree hugging hippies yes i do even though they're nothing like that now now they have blue hair and everything and they're crazy but you say oh you like tree hugging hippies how do the tree hugging hippies know that the oil i mean that the uh, soil the water the air and the food have been poisoned. Who's poisoning it? The very people that are telling you that you're the polluter because you're breathing out CO2. They are telling you, you're the polluter, you need to be killed, you need to be stuffed into an enslavement system, right, into a digital slave state CBDC UBI system, when in fact they are the ones polluting the earth and poisoning you. So you can turn the leftist against these folks. As uh, Wide Awake Jim has pointed, about, uh, pointed out, no one really likes bankers, right? Bankers are pretty dirty, pretty dirty people in the minds of most. And the bankers are the ones behind all this. So turn these folks against the bankers. Use their own book of rules against them. Paragraph 214, to avoid this, a movement that exalts nature and opposes technology, must take a resolutely anti-leftist stance, and must avoid all collaboration with leftists. Leftism is in the long run inconsistent with wild nature, with human freedom, and with the elimination of modern technology. Leftism is collectivist. It seeks to bind together the entire world, both nature and the human race, into a unified whole. But this implies management of nature and of human life by organized society, and it requires advanced technology. You can't have a united world without rapid transportation and communication. You can't make all people love one another without sophisticated psychological techniques. You can't have a, quote, planned society, end quote, without the uh, necessary technological base. Above all, leftism is driven by the need for power, and the leftist seeks power on a collective basis through identification with a mass movement or an organization leftism is uniquely ever to give up techn- uh, is unlikely ever to give up technology because technology is too valuable a source of collective power now i agree with that on the psychology of the leftists i agree with that for sure it makes complete and total sense but As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I believe you can take certain leftists and actually turn them against the system if you're able to show them that the system is actually the cause of the problems that they see all around them. Uh, Again, this is written 28 years ago in 1995, so some of this stuff that was laid out Uh, was actually being based on the definition of what the leftist movement was at the time. Uh, Paragraph 215, the anarchist too seeks power, but he seeks it on an individual or small group basis. He wants individuals and small groups to be able to control the circumstances of their own lives. He opposes technology because it makes small groups dependent on large organizations. So you have to find the leftists that were indoctrinated into hating corporations back when that fit the mold of the system. The system wanted that to occur. They wanted the leftists attacking corporations because then they would put fake... Uh, legislation and regulation into place which actually crumbled and destroyed small businesses and medium-sized businesses and drove all the power into the hands of the organizations but there are still folks walking around that were indoctrinated with the propaganda of hating organizations hating wall street hating banks that's a good thing because now we know those are our real enemies and you can use that old indoctrination to your advantage that's how i see it folks so start talking to, talking to some people that identify on the left see where they stand are they old left new left hippie left where do they come from and see if you can plant some of this into their heads and see how they react to it paragraph 216 some leftists may seem to oppose technology but they will oppose it only so long as they are outsiders and the technological system is controlled by non-leftists if leftism ever becomes dominant in society so that the technological system becomes a tool in the hands of leftists, they will enthusiastically use it and promote its growth. Now, what I would say to the author, if I was speaking to him today, is that we see this happen both in technology and in government, right? So, And it happens on both sides. So when the left has control of government, they love the government. When the left does not have control of government, they generally hate government. But the people on the right do the same thing, and the same goes with technology. People on the right hate Elon Musk until they think Elon Musk is on their side, and then all of a sudden they love Elon Musk and all of the technology that he's developing. Right. They hate Twitter. Twitter censors. It's on the left. Elon Musk buys it. All of a sudden they love Twitter. Everyone is inconsistent because they're actually being selfish and because they're blind and they have hope and they believe that billionaires are coming to save them. Once they understand that's not the case, I think you can turn a lot of people against the system in doing this they will be repeating a pattern that leftism has shown again and again in the past when the bolsheviks in russia were outsiders they vigorously opposed censorship and the secret police they advocated self-determination for ethnic minorities and so forth but as soon as they came into power themselves they imposed a tighter censorship and created a more ruthless secret police than any That had existed under the stars, under the czars, and they oppressed ethnic minorities at least as much as the czars had done. In the United States a couple of decades ago, when leftists were a minority in our universities, leftist professors were vigorous proponents of academic freedom, but today... In those of our universities where leftists have become dominant, they have shown themselves ready to take away from everyone else's academic freedom. This is, quote, political correctness, end quote. The same will happen with leftists and technology. They will use it to oppose everyone else if they ever get it under their own control. All right, so now you see where the author's coming from. He's he's accurate in all of this, okay? But again, I believe in today's world, now that definitions have been mixed up, there's no more black and white anymore. I think a lot of people don't really know what they are. They might think there's some label, but they can't really define it, that you have the ability, if you're the smarter, more well-researched, more cutting person, to be able to push them in the direction to turn them away from the technological system system i think you can i think you have to try it out and this is a movement that is going to be one-to-one it's going to take a long time this isn't going to just happen overnight so start to feel people out as wide awake jim has been doing marie albanese used to but she hates people so much she doesn't talk to them anymore Uh, i do this all the time i like to feel out where people are coming from paragraph 217 in earlier revolutions leftists of the most power hungry type Repeatedly have first cooperated with non leftist revolutionaries as well as with leftists of a more libertarian inclination, and later have double crossed them to seize power for themselves. Robespierre did this in the French Revolution, the Bolsheviks did it in the Russian Revolution, the Communists did it in Spain in 1938. And Castro and his followers did it in Cuba. Given the past history of leftism, it would be utterly foolish for non-leftist revolutionaries today to collaborate with leftists. And I'm not talking about collaborating with them on some sort of a mass scale or an organized fashion. I'm just talking about you know some in your life, start to try to turn them against technology. It's a one-on-one thing. See if you can get them to understand it. See if you can get them at least to grasp this. I'd be interested. Email me, me at com and let me know uh, how they react to this. And I know everyone's going to run into different circumstances, and that's totally fine. But it would be interesting. Uh, Paragraph 218, various thinkers have pointed out that leftism is a kind of religion. Leftism is not a religion in the strict sense because leftist doctrine does not postulate the existence of any supernatural being. But for the leftist, leftism plays a psychological role, much like that which religion plays for some people. The leftist needs to believe in leftism. It plays a vital role in his psychological economy. His beliefs are not easily modified by logic or facts. He has a deep conviction that leftism is morally right with a capital R, and that he has not only a right, but a duty to impose leftist morality on everyone. However, many of the people we are referring to as leftists do not think of themselves as leftists and would not describe their system of belief as leftism. We use the term leftism because we don't know of any better word to designate the spectrum of related creeds that includes the feminist, gay rights, Political correctness, etc., movements, and because these movements have a strong affinity with the old left. See paragraphs 227 to 230. Now, what I would uh, recommend, folks, yeah, like those groups that they're running around screaming, you know, feminism, gay rights, political correctness stuff, wokeness. No, I don't think those kind of people you're going to wake up. I'm just talking about your regular old neighbor who may identify as being on the left or an old Democrat. I think you can turn those kind of people against this system paragraph 219 and and you could describe technocracy as fascism and i think most run-of-the-mill leftists are not on board with at least the fictional view of communism that they have so you can talk about technocracy as communism especially to folks on the right and to people on the left as fascism because it does combine both elements paragraph 219 leftism is a totalitarian force wherever leftism is in a position of power it tends to invade every private corner and force every thought into a leftist mold in part this is because of the quasi-religious character of leftism everything contrary to leftist beliefs represents sin more importantly leftism is a totalitarian force because of the leftist drive for power The leftist seeks to satisfy his need for power through identification with a social movement, and he tries to go through the power process by helping to pursue and attain the goals of the movement. See paragraph 83. But no matter how far the movement has gone in attaining its goals, the leftist is never satisfied because his activism is a surrogate activity. See paragraph 41. Now that's important because I'm going to show you this through the videos I have on Saul Alinsky and his progressive movement in the, uh, you know, 1960s and such. I was, going to get through that. We stopped because we were going into Christmas and I saw the numbers were going down and I didn't want to do that important series while everyone was on a mental break over the holidays. So we'll get back to that and I will show you exactly how that works. Let's continue. That is, the leftist real motive is not to attain the ostensible goals of leftism. In reality, he's motivated motivated by the sense of power he gets from struggling for and then reaching a social goal. Consequently, the leftist is never satisfied with the goals he has already attained. His need for the power process leads him always to pursue some new goal. The leftist wants equal opportunities for minorities. When that is attained, he insists on statistical equality of achievement by minorities. And as long as anyone harbors in some corner of his mind a negative attitude towards some minority, the leftist has to re-educate him. And ethnic minorities are not enough. No one can be allowed to have a negative attitude toward homosexuals, disabled people, fat people, old people, ugly people, and so on and so on and so on. It's not enough that the public should be informed about the hazards of smoking. A warning has to be stamped on every package of cigarettes. Then cigarette advertising has to be restricted if not banned. The activists will never be satisfied until tobacco is outlawed, and after that it will be alcohol. Alcohol, then junk food, etc. Activists have fought gross child abuse, which is reasonable, but now they want to stop all spanking. When they have done that, they will want to ban anything else they consider unwholesome. Then another thing, then another, and another. They will never be satisfied until they have complete control over all child rearing practices, and then they will move on to another cause. And and let me say this, because that is quite important. Um, and I had told you before when I was working toward the Saul Alinsky series that I was going to show you how old world Alinsky progressivism was really the driving ideology behind technocracy. And so this author actually brings it out there because he's explaining how technocracy comes to fruition. In order to control everything, you need to have a technological system to control, to regulate, to monitor, to govern right and so this idea of alinsky progressivism grows into the larger picture of what is technocracy today so the author is breaking that down and he's explaining this now again i'm not advocating working with large leftist organizations i'm not saying to go knock on the door of antifa i am just saying to try to start to figure out if you can wake up people who identify as left because with everything else the author says i 100 percent wholeheartedly agree you are not going to work with leftist organizations the other part the author doesn't get into but almost every organization that exists today is completely 100 percent controlled by the technocratic system almost everything organized at this point is controlled uh from organized religion um to uh, all of these uh, trade associations. Uh, everything at this point is controlled by the technocratic system. So you have to wake up people on an individual level. There is no organization that's going to be an ally. The other thing is you have to get it out of your mind that there are any billionaires Who are going to back a movement don't think of this as starting a movement like we're not going to start an organization called tear down the technological system and then have to build a site and get members and all this other stuff by the time that happens we are just an organized force no different there there will be politics uh people will be fighting over the messages Learn from me and others, read books, start to understand how the technocratic system works. You can start back at episode one of this show if you'd like to know more about it, and then start to preach yourself and wake people up to the message. Be an abolitionist, be a freedom fighter, start to explain to people what the root cause of their problems are, and that is the technological system. That is technocracy ladies and gentlemen. And as you know, if you listen to the show, it only ends in one place, and that is the engineering of humanity out of existence. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll finish this paper up tomorrow, I promise. I will see you then for episode 139. My name is Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard Podcast right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. More listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.